from realghoststoriesonline.com. Welcome to another episode of our little program here of Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you once again. Uh, please remember to press that subscribe button. That helps us uh, let you know about when new episodes come about so you don't miss any of them. And uh, it also uh, helps us uh, grow the show a little bit. Make sure you tell your friends about the show. Share it on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Pinterest, if you like the Pinterest. You're on Pinterest. I love Pinterest. You should share it on Pinterest. Do you have people who follow you on Pinterest? I think I do. You should start a ghost board and share the show on there. I didn't know I could do that. Yeah, you can share the show. Okay. People can listen to it right there. Then I will do so that. Pinterest. Uh, MySpace, if that's... Uh, does anyone ever use MySpace anymore? I think that was done in like 1999. Friendster. It was another one back then. I, I don't think 99 was MySpace. Really? My, MySpace was more 2002, 2003-ish, I think, right around there. I'm getting old enough it all runs together. I don't know. I should try and log into that account and see if anything exists anymore. Uh, anyway, the point is share the show. Uh, that gets more people to find us and love us and adore us. And uh, they tell us their deepest, darkest, scariest stories that they would never tell anyone else in public. And we read them. Uh, and we don't judge at least when the mics are on, we don't judge them. We really don't. We actually end up talking about them like all week. Remember that story? So please, uh, please do so send in your stories. Uh, if you have one, uh, go to Real Ghost Stories Online and uh, click on the Tell Us Your Ghost Story button. Or you can call us 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 855-853-4802, 855-853-4802. The new extended amount of time you have to share your story is wonderful. Uh, you got like almost 10 minutes to share it. So uh, go ahead and call it anytime you want with your real ghost stories. Uh, over the weekend, we uh, we made a little trip. We did not go to the haunted hotel that uh, we had talked about. Um, never made it. Uh, not, we didn't really plan to, though, either. No. You know, it was kind of booked up. It was out of the way. But uh, there was any anything. Did we see anything ghostly? Do anything ghostly? I can't even... I can't think we... No, we talked about going down to Union Station, but again, we just talked about it. Yeah, and it got kind of late, and we're like, yeah, we would rather go eat shrimp and grits at at a restaurant called Rye. Yes. So, um, shrimp and grits won out over some of the ghosts, but it was kind of a little little getaway away from work and all that, and I guess this show is kind of like work somewhat, you know, so it was just kind of nice just to get away. Uh, all right, today's show, plenty of letters uh, for you, and also uh, got a caller here all lined up. Should we go to the caller first? Let's do that. And see what sort of real ghost story we have to kick off the show with. Again, the phone number, 855-853-4802. Hello. Hey, my name is Cody. Um, <clears throat> I used to work at a local district courthouse, and my job was to get rid of evidence... Uh, otherwise known as exhibits from previous cases have been uh, eradicated and one of the pieces uh, that I had to get rid of was a gun which was used in a murder I touched it and got rid of it didn't feel you know good about holding that piece of um, equipment and I believe that the spirit of the person that was involved, the person that died in that murder, followed me home. Um, I felt guilt and an overwhelming sense of dread and guilt every night that I continued my employment there. 
Um, <clears throat> and finally, I I got fed up with it, and I burned some sage, and <clears throat> I heard a stomping, angry stomping outside my window, um, like someone was coming up to my window, and and I knew it was the murdered victim. Um, it could have been nobody else, and I was so startled and um, scared to look out. I just, uh, <clears throat> I said out loud, I said, please stop bothering me. It was my job. I have nothing to do with your death. Please be at peace. And ever since then, um, the overwhelming feeling of guilt and dread has been lifted. So, I believe there is a way to communicate with the beyond if they're directly communicating with you. So that's my story. Thanks. Anxiety disorder? Or did he see a ghost? Or is it a little bit of... <laughs> I heard a lot of that in the call, too. No, I, uh, my thought, I mean, just sounding... Just listening to the way he sounded was maybe he's one of those slightly depressed people that the ghost attached to. I mean, I think I would be depressed if that was my job, dealing with murder sure. weapons all the time. And I'm not faulting him for that. I mean, I'm no. depressed on a normal day. It, it was an interesting tone to the call. Yeah. It was kind of, well, extremely passive, I think, for lack of a better term, on, you know, something that... Honestly, I think a lot of other callers have been like very anxious about, very kind of excited about. The tone was just, eh. and then it, uh, you know, did that. And uh, well, maybe he's fighting a cold. Sure. Or maybe he's having a reaction to the sage he burned. <laughs> it's a sage allergy. It's a sage allergy. <laughs> Thank you for the call. I mean, seriously though. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I. I I suppose ghosts can attach themselves to... You're not going to believe this, but I actually have something to say about that. I, my last job, not my last job, but the one before... You have the gun that someone walked into the workplace and murdered everyone with. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly what I have. No, (laughs) I had to go down to where our local police department stores their evidence from crimes. And they were actually, this was the weirdest thing, they were wanting a quote on getting some like shades or something on the windows and so I had to go down there and it was a very creepy building and I remember I had to go through all the levels and measure all these windows and this building was concrete and they had all the murder weapons the ones used in homicides behind like this chain link fence in this corner and it it was just bizarre I I had a you know like I always say I had a weird feeling but I did have a weird feeling but nothing attached to me and followed me home but I didn't touch anything either. It's interesting that the objects hold the energy, or if they do, if they hold the energy. I mean, I sup- here. Here's my weird thing on that with a gun, because it's not physically that gun was not like unless you like I guess rammed the gun into someone's head. Mm-hmm. You know, where the, the actual weapon itself was in physical contact. I can see the bullet being haunted. Yeah. The gun, I don't know. It's a, There's a little more physical space there for transfer of energy. 
See, I would see the gun being... You see knives? I could see knives. I could see the gun being haunted by the person that used it, had they died. Sure. Whoever owned the gun. Not owned the gun, but whoever Because so much more of the energy of the person who's using it is... I would think Cranch would do it, not necessarily the, uh, the victim of the crime. But the guy in the call did say he had this overwhelming feeling of guilt and remorse and... He didn't. I don't think. I don't recall if he said if the guy died, the murderer. No. Did he mention that? No. But, but maybe that is the case. So then that would make sense right there. That that's what I thought. I always wonder if you have to have the physical connectiveness with the the weapon itself for it to, you know. Right. I did have a, a letter that someone wrote in uh, in response to me shooting at crows with a BB gun. Oh, great! Um, they were none too happy with me. <laughs> And she, said, and she even said, my husband thinks I'm going overboard by writing you this. Um, and <laughs> she thought I was a little more connected with nature than I am. And uh, that's how she put it. And that I shouldn't be shooting the crows. And that, uh, you know, it's a circle of life and all that. And I, I get that, you know. And that, you know, if the crows weren't hungry, they wouldn't be, you know, going after our bird feeder. And I, it's, I don't, I kind of disagree there. I don't think it's that the crows are hungry. I think the crows, it's there. It's food. You know, it's, it's like a morbidly obese person in front of the old country buffet. It's there. It's food. Yeah. You know, there's also the Taco Bell across the street. If the old country buffet wasn't there, they'd be at the Taco Bell. Well, I have a hard time with the crows because you were the one telling me how smart they are. And they are they, smart. They can gang up and use tools and they things. They can use tools. I know. And that's why I'm trying to get rid of them before they decide to gang up and try and invade the house next. Okay. And go into the kitchen because the kitchen's right there, brother. Thank you, Alfred Hitchcock. <laughs> Okay. It's like the birds. Yes. So I guess I do. I you know. I, I don't know. I don't apologize for shooting the crows. I will vouch. They did, none of them died. I'll say that. They're like bulletproof feathers. I swear to God. Well, not only is he a bad shot, he doesn't kill animals on a regular basis. I can vouch for him there. Yeah, I don't. We did have a dead rabbit in our yard, though, or in our garden, which was rather disturbing the other day. Yeah. Which is really kind of sad because I, I, I don't, I don't shoot at the rabbits anymore. Um, I, I did a couple years back when we had a different garden. But uh, I haven't done them in years. I like the rabbits, the bunnies. They pop around the house, and the kids love them. So I can't really just you know, take out the BB gun and pick them off in front of the two-year-old. That may lead to a you know some issues later in life. So I don't. I just let them hop around. We have this. We have a nice little bunny that, believe it or not, gets in through the little you know holes of the fence and hangs out in the garden. Doesn't do a whole lot of damage. So we just kind of let them hop around. And we go out there the other day to to get some tomatoes out of the garden, and. There's a leaves laying there, dead, right there, right where we walk in, just sprawled out. No markings of anything attacking. He's dead. Yeah. And it was really sad. This, of course, happened when I wasn't home, so... I didn't shoot the bunny. <laughs> I did. I like the bunny. I know. And actually, um, uh, our seven-year-old is the one who saw it first. He's like, he's look at the bunny. Yeah. And I'm, where is he? Because I'm, I'm thinking he's like underneath it. No, he's dead. But the good news is, he's we, laying there. We think this wasn't our favorite bunny because we saw the same little bunny yeah. in our garden again. So it's either the ghost of the bunny. He's back. He's a or, zombie bunny. It's the zombie bunny. Some other bunny came and died in our garden. That's just. It might have been a different bunny because the, the, there's another smaller bunny and this other bunny may have just went there and offed himself right there. I don't know. No, I know you have a soft side for nature. In fact, I have seen you rescue a large spider because our daughter had an affectionate spot for it. Yeah, Charlotte. Charlotte, yeah. yeah. We, I did rescue the spider. 
So, yeah. But the crows, I have, I don't have a whole lot of love for the crows. I just don't. Because, well, mainly because they're mean to the other birds that were trying to get the food. And these things were just, like, sabotaging the bird feeder and taking it all and scaring away the other birds. And I'm like, all right, you guys. Okay, goodbye. But rest assured, no crows have died in our yard yet. No. Because... Like I said, bulletproof feathers. I have hit one. I saw feathers fly up, and that thing just kept on going. So I, I've almost, I've all but given up on trying to pick off the crows. So there you go. Crows live on. <laughs> Sleep easy tonight. Uh, we have some letters uh, that have been written to us for today's show. And if you have a ghost story, please do write into us or call in to us. The phone number to call in is 855-853-4802-855-853-4802. Let's go to that first letter that was written in. This uh, comes just from Hannah. Hannah says, I live in the UK. My family and I moved into an old semi-detached house last summer. Before moving in, I did some research on our local area, uh, Kent, and I found out that it's renowned for being haunted, and there were lots of ghost stories experiences involving this village. At this point, I wish I hadn't done the research, because the supernatural is my biggest fear. The house we were moving into was gorgeous, so I tried to put the fact that it could be haunted to the back of my mind. However, it didn't stay there long, as it didn't take long for the first to happen. It was my third night in this house, and I was up late watching television doing work. It was about 1 a.m. I went to the kitchen to make some toast. I've been feeling uneasy in the kitchen since we'd moved in because my dad hadn't put any blinds or curtains up in there yet, so there's no privacy. I could see out the window, and whoever was outside could see in. So, whenever I was there, I would avoid looking at the window. Midway of making toast, I forgot and started out. The house had quite a small garden, a short fence, and the back separating my garden from the public footpath which leads to the woodlands. I saw a lady wearing a white nightgown with dark, frizzy hair standing with a big black dog beside her. The dog was huge, and its eyes glowed as if the light was bouncing off them. The lady wasn't very tall, but wasn't the height of a child. They just stood on the footpath facing the, my house. It was pitch dark outside, however, I could see her clearly. She was only illuminated by a streetlight, which was about 30 yards away from where she was standing. I felt like I'd been staring at her for hours. It was a real struggle to take my eyes away. Once I realized what I was seeing, I ran to my dad's room and woke him up. He told me to stare out the window and tell me what he could see. He didn't see anything. I didn't tell him what I saw and told him to go back to bed. As soon as he left the room, I collapsed to the floor and immediately started crying. Like I said, this is my worst fear. I couldn't go to sleep knowing that she was out there somewhere. I convinced myself that she'd come back, but this time she'd be inside the house. So a few weeks passed and there were no more encounters. A lot of elderly in the town, so I come to the conclusion that it was probably an elderly woman suffering from Alzheimer's. The next encounter happened around Christmas. We had just had a puppy, we named Benji, and he just had his shots. We left him in his cage to rest while the family went out for a walk in the country. When we returned, the TV was left on in my parents' room on full volume. The bathroom light was on, and there were muddy shoe prints going up the stairs. My dad told us all to wait in the entrance hall while he went upstairs to see what was going on. He returned about ten minutes later, having found nothing. 
Laurel completely confused but trusted his judgment and carried on as normal. My mom went to the living room and I went to the kitchen to get Benji. I heard my mom shout, oh my God, and I quickly opened the cage. I scooped up Benji and ran to her. I asked her what was wrong and she called me and my dad over towards the rug. There was a huge urine stain in the middle of the rug. She asked if Benji was in his cage, and I said yes. I was 100% sure that he was because I just opened it. Also, the stain was way too big to be Benji's. He was still so little and only produced tiny puddles. We tried for the life of us to figure out where the stain could have come from, but there was no explanation. It was later that day that I remembered what I'd seen in, in the summer. That dog could have produced the size of a stain, if not bigger. Instantly, I felt sick and had to tell my parents what I had seen before in the hope that they would believe me. At this point, after the day we had, I wasn't surprised that they didn't think I was crazy. Nothing else happened for a few weeks after that. The next encounter was witnessed by my mother. I'll explain the next event on behalf of her. We made some friends at the church, and my mom had agreed to babysit for one of the women. Her daughter, Isabel, is nine years old and attended the school down the road, although having previously never met or seen the daughter, my mom was told to collect her at 3.15. It hit three and my mom was getting ready to leave the house when there was a knock at the door. She opened it to a young girl around nine years old. Turns out they got let out from school early and Isabel walked to our house. Her mother had previously shown her where we lived. Benji apparently went crazy when Isabel entered the house. Once my mom had sorted Benji out, she started preparing food for Isabel. I was on my way home from work and I drove past the school. It was about 3.30 and I saw a young girl standing at the entrance alone. I assumed it was Isabel because she had the same red hair as her mother. I pulled up and asked her name and she said Isabel and I told her who I was. She got in the car and I brought her back to ours. I was confused as to why my mom hadn't collected her yet. I walked into the house and called for my mother straight away. She came walking around the corner, smiling at both Isabel and I. She pulled me aside and asked me who she was. When I told her that it was Isabel, my mother looked worried and dragged me to the kitchen. She gasped and said, she's gone. I looked worried. It took some time for her to tell me what happened, but she explained the young girl who had knocked on the door earlier had gone, completely vanished. We didn't talk about that incident anymore, and needless to say, we didn't stay in that house very long after that. Oh, wow. That's that's pretty scary. Ghost urine as well in that story. Yeah. Well, I think I would have made a urine spot too had that happened to me. My gosh. I've heard of the, the urine and feces and things of that nature showing up on rather demonic cases. Mm-hmm. You know? So when that stuff starts showing up around your haunting... That's usually not a very good sign. But other than that, I mean, it sounds like it was a fairly peaceful encounter, you know, albeit, you know, yeah. it was a little girl showing up and you, I wonder if the girl ate. I now, she know. said she fixed her food. I wonder, did, did your mom actually feed her? Yeah. How long did she hang out? Yeah. Right back in if you can and tell us what, uh, was there any conversating going on? Did they... Because that'd be interesting. You don't really hear too often of ghosts eating. You know, I obviously I'm new to this, but the way that the ghost girl said, well, we got out early and I knew where you lived, kind of shows an intelligence there made me think of something bad. Not, not just a ghost child, but maybe something 
more demonic. Well, that would tie in with the uh, the urine. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of stories where the, the, the demonic spirits will somewhat stay dormant, if you will. Or they'll they'll make appearances, but they won't do a whole heck of a lot, almost, you know. And that's where you start to wonder, and this is where you get super skeptical and start questioning every ghost, is it good, is it bad? Where, in cases, it'll essentially try to earn your trust, and you'll think, oh, this is just the good ghost down the hall. And then, you know, eventually it eats your dog. See, you know? that's what I was thinking of, because you told me that sometimes they can do that. They can, you know... Yeah, and that's where you, I mean... I'd say in more cases and not of the ghost stories that we hear on the show, the good ghosts tend to stay good ghosts. Mm-hmm. The bad ghosts are pretty much from the get-go, for the most part, pretty nasty characters. But you do have the ones every now and then that pretty much go bipolar. And, you know, yeah. oh, it's a good ghost. Oh, eh, no, now it's evil. <laughs> or you you make it mad. Yeah, I mean, and also, you also have to then, if that's the case, you have to wonder if this is a conscious entity, can it also change its opinion of you? Can it change how it feels? And can it suddenly really start hating you after really liking you? Yes. Without being demonic. You know, with it just being conscious, going, you know what? I think I saw some of the stuff you were doing the other day, and I don't think I like you anymore, you know? Yeah, I can see that too. Whatever to call if you have a real ghost story is 855-853-4802. 855-853-4802. And uh, here's the deal. We do the show three times a week. Uh, takes a lot of time. Takes a lot of energy. And uh, having a little uh, little uh, extra... Um, uh, what, what's, what would be a nice analogy here? Uh, what's the whistle analogy? Wet my whistle? Yeah. Let my whistle a little bit. Show us some love. Show us a little love there. <laughs> um, so we're we're going to start incorporating a few little uh, little bit of messages in here of uh, support uh, of our show. And uh, our first uh, one is going to be real. Uh, I'm sorry, not real. That's our website. <laughs> <laughs> real Ghost Stories yeah. Online. It's supporting itself. <laughs> it's like those animals that can reproduce without a partner. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Uh, if uh, you are in the haunted house industry and uh, are involved in any haunted houses this year, of course you need folks to be able to go to that haunted house, and a big part of that is advertising your haunted house. And the folks that can help you do that... Well, I was going to say the wrong website again. Uh, HauntedHouseRadioCommercials.com If you, uh, you want the best in haunted house radio commercials, and we're talking some real spooky-ass commercials. Uh, these are the guys for you to make your Haunted House radio commercial sound much better. You don't want the DJ at the radio station, you know, with the nasally voice. Hi, uh, we're going to go to the, the Haunted House and it's gonna, that's not spooky. I mean, it's spooky if you're the significant other, the DJ, but you want the spooky, real, setting the mood Haunted House radio commercial for your haunt. So, you want a good Haunted House radio commercial, you want to stand out, you want to get people to your haunt, hauntedhouseradiocommercials.com go there uh, let them know you heard about it from Real Ghost Stories online and uh, you can get yourself even a discount on your Haunted House radio commercial $50 off your radio commercial if you mention Real Ghost Stories online hauntedhouseradiocommercials.com for those in the haunt industry you will absolutely love it alright continuing on with our little program here another letter this one comes to us from Leo Leo writes in, Hi, Tony. First off, I want to say thank you for the show. I've had many 
Paranormal Encounters. I'm 25 years old, and I love the San Fernando... I live in the San Fernando Valley in Southern California. Anyway, the most recent encounter happened a couple months ago. The way it happened was I had gotten home from work that day. It was about 5.30 p.m. When I walked into the house, I saw my fiancé with her sisters in the dining room. Nothing out of the ordinary. So I said hi to them. The only person missing was my fiancé's niece, which is her older sister's daughter. I didn't think of it much. I thought she was sleeping in the next room to ours. So I started talking to them and heard the bathroom door slam. I asked my fiancé who walked into the bathroom because I was thinking either her niece went in or it was the wind that shut the door since it was a little windy that evening. She replied back, it was the ghost. The reason she said that is because I became friends with a clairvoyant and she told us that there's a spirit in the house. She also told us that my parents' house spirits walk in and out, and I believe they are my grandparents' spirits. Anyway, so I just kind of laughed at my fiancé when she said it was the ghost that slammed the door. So I started walking to the hallway. The way the house is laid out is the hallway leads to the bathroom, and our room is next to the bathroom. Another bedroom is on the left side of the bathroom. So the bedroom is in the middle. So I started walking towards the hallway to go to my room. I looked down at my phone, but I still had an eyesight straight ahead. I was walking towards the room and I saw a young girl in a black dress with her hair covering her face and walked into the other room. I didn't think much of it at first, but I was wondering why the floor didn't creak when the girl was walking. I assumed it was my fiance's niece. So I went about my business. Later on, I noticed she wasn't anywhere to be seen. So I asked my fiance, where's Dez? She replied, what do you mean, where's Dez? Dez isn't here. What do you mean? She walked out of the bathroom and I saw her. She replied back, she's at cheer practice. She hasn't been home all day. She's at school. So you can only imagine how I felt as a female clear as day. I assumed it was her niece. So a couple weeks later, I was talking to the clairvoyant over the phone and I mentioned this to her and she said that these kinds of experiences were going to happen more often to me because she said I am gifted. She told me spirits were going to show themselves to me more frequently. I haven't had any other experiences like that recently. Also, back in my parents' house before I moved out, it was about a day after my great-grandfather passed away. I was sitting in the living room one night watching TV till suddenly I heard some noise in the kitchen. It caught my attention so naturally I turned around to look over and saw a shadow in the hallway that led to the kitchen. The light in the hallway and the kitchen were on, so I assumed someone walked into the kitchen. I thought it was one of my parents. But the problem was I didn't hear any footsteps or noise in the kitchen after that. So I decided to get up and check and take a look around. Turns out the kitchen was empty. No one was in the kitchen except everyone was asleep in the house. The next day, I told my mom what I saw, and she said maybe it was your great-grandfather that wanted to visit one last time. He lived out in Mexico. My mom told me that before he passed, he wanted to come and visit, but couldn't because his visa had expired. It made sense to me, because I didn't feel scared when I saw the shadow. I have more stories to share with you, and also some outer body experiences, so one day, I'll share those with you. Thank you so much for your time and look forward to every episode you come out with. Thank you so much um, for that uh, that story and that call. It sounds like a good... That's a gift that keeps on giving, I'm afraid. 
the dead grandparents? No, how the clairvoyant said he's gifted and how he'll start seeing things more. Oh, yeah, that does it. That is a nice gift. Have you have you ever seen? Because you said you you can sense things. I can sense things. Have you ever seen a ghost that you're aware I, of? Yes. Um, it wasn't a full body apparition, so I can't say that. But when I was three or four years old, I just moved into my what I called my big girl room. I'd moved out of the nursery because my mom obviously just had my brother and he needed a space so I was in my bed in my big girl room and this was early morning and I felt I felt like something was watching me and I opened my eyes and there was kind of this floating white cloud kind of above where I was and I wasn't afraid of it and then it just went through the wall off to my when I'm laying there off to my left which would have been my parents room directly next door and I told my parents about it, and they were like, oh, yeah, well, maybe you were dreaming, or you just saw something, or, you know, maybe since you just opened your eyes, it was something like that. And little did I know till I was an adult that they actually saw the same thing, and it actually, they confirmed, they said it came through the wall into their room, <laughs> went over their bed, and out the other side. Thank you for that. I'd love to have seen the look on your mom's face when you were the little girl telling them, you know, that you had just seen. Because I, I, I would almost wonder if, if when they were seeing it, if they were wondering, are you seeing this? You know. Well, my dad says he thought for he thought the way it it looked like it was maybe a, um, like a car light shining through the window just right mm-hmm. or something, you know, and. Yeah, And so they were trying to talk themselves out of it being something until I spoke up and said what I saw. And they were trying to talk me out of thinking it was something. Well, no. Now we all three know that we all three saw the same ghost going through our rooms. It only took 20 some years. But it was not scary. It was very, it was, it almost had like a childlike presence to it. Mm-hmm. You know, like I kind of wanted to play with it. Yeah. But... Maybe I should be careful what I wish for, but I, I really would like to see a ghost. Please don't point. wish for that. Things freak me out too much. I don't want like a bad ghost. You don't get to pick. I wish you could. Ghost yeah. in a jar. Ghost in a jar. Yes. <laughs> Select your ghost today. You know, you can get the different types and buy one, get one. You know, the I wish I could have seen the one that I felt touch me at the winery. You know, that... Yes. That was insane. Or the ghost, yeah. I, I, I We should, uh, that could be a whole ghost story show right there, just talking to those folks. I think they have they do ghost tours, and they have stories about um, who those people are, because I think they know who some of them are, or have a good idea. And I have to say, we had not had any wine at the winery when you this didn't. happened. No, so. you didn't. I yeah. had. I, I was having, I was partaking at that moment in time. I'm, I'm the teetotaler. And, and I didn't get any ghosts touching me either. No. So, there you go. Your real ghost stories, if you got one, call in the phone number, toll free, 855-853-4802, 855-853-4802, or you just write in at our website, realghoststoriesonline.com. Click on the Tell Us Your Ghost Story button, and there you go. You tell us your ghost story, we read it back here on the show on a future episode. And, of course, you can uh, check out all of our on there as well. Or you can just subscribe on iTunes. Uh, that's where you can get them all as well. And we ask, hey, you can give us a little love. Give us some stars. 
and uh, help us uh, grow in the rankings and the ratings and more people will find the show and we will get more ghost stories to share with you. All right, next one comes to us from Melissa. Melissa writes in, Hi, Tony. Love your show. Wanted to tell you my story. I'm a stay-at-home mom that decided to start my own eBay business. I visit auctions, estate sales, yard sales, church sales, you name it, to find unique old vintage merchandise or pretty much just anything of value to sell. My husband built our house himself about nine years ago. Since he was doing all the work himself, it took quite a while for us to move in. We lived on our five acres in a mobile home while he was working on the house. We finally moved in four years ago. Before moving in, I set up my home office and storage in the basement of the house while he worked upstairs. We made a nice TV playroom for the kids in the basement as well. I bring my items into the house from the sales I visit. I store things and label boxes in the back corner of our basement. My desk is on the opposite side of the basement. We did not put up walls to make separate rooms. My back is turned away to the rest of the basement while I work on the computer facing a wall. I'd be alone in the house working. No power was hooked up in the upstairs as my husband did not have the outlets wired yet. And there'd be footsteps walking up there in my kitchen. There were tons of popping sounds and banging. One day, while again alone, working late at night, there was a tremendous crash at the opposite side of the house, upstairs in the master bedroom. My husband had his toolbox in that room, and it sounded like it had been picked up and with force slammed into the floor, spilling metal tools everywhere. I crept upstairs to the flashlight and walked down the hall and peered into the bedroom. His toolbox was just sitting perfectly flat on the floor. Another day, while working with my back to the basement, I felt like I was not alone. I had a weird, nervous feeling, and I stopped typing and just sat still, listening to my house. My eBay boxes sounded like they crashed over behind me. When I investigated, they were perfectly stacked. Nothing was disturbed. My husband said that our 12-year-old son and I were crazy. He never heard anything. Then something happened to him. It was a weekend during winter time, and he decided to keep the wood burner going all night in the basement. About 7 a.m., he was banging on his mobile home door to let him in. He said that as soon as he turned the lights out and laid down on the couch and closed his eyes, the banging started. There was something in the basement with him. It was knocking things over by my computer. He jumped up and turned on all the lights, but nothing was there, and nothing was moved. He slept with the lights on all night, but the noises continued until he decided to come over and wake me up. He was visibly shaken. Now, he believed us. When we moved in, we still did not have carpet laid in the hallway in the living room, just the plywood subfloor. I slept in our five-year-old daughter's room with her because she was nervous about sleeping alone in her new room. After she fell asleep, I could hear someone walking up the basement stairs and down the hall towards the open door. I was really scared because everybody else in the house was sleeping. It came towards my daughter's room, but I never saw anything. The popping noises, footsteps on the basement stairs, and in the kitchen of the hallway, sounds of things falling over and crashing continued for months. Our 12-year-old son was frightened one evening while he watched TV in the basement while I worked. He said a shadow popped up from behind him and moved across the wall in front of him. He thought it was me, but when he turned to look for me, I was still sitting at the computer on the other side of the room. He was really spooked by that. He said there was a creepy feeling, and he was scared. Another time, while my husband and I slept on a blow-up mattress in the basement because the master bedroom was not finished, something moved by my feet. I was wide awake, not yet sleeping. There was a definite movement of something there. 
It was very scary. My heart was pounding. My husband was asleep already, so I just covered up and covered my hand with the covers like a little kid would do and made myself fall asleep. Whatever was here is now gone. That springtime after my husband's scary night alone, my mother, who was very religious, was visiting one afternoon. I just finished telling her about all of the things that were happening in our new house. We guessed that I must have brought it into the house, attached to some item I had purchased. It was hard to pinpoint which item, as it could have been one of hundreds. Anyway, I left my mother alone to get my children from the bus stop. While I was gone, my mom tried to watch TV, but the stacked eBay boxes sounded like something had knocked them all over. She blessed the house by walking all around the rooms, forcefully telling whatever was here that it didn't belong here and was not welcome in the name of Jesus Christ. I don't know exactly how she did it or what she said, but we have not had a phenomenon like that happen again. That's one of my stories. It's totally honest and true. Maybe it's like that Haunted Collector show that airs on television. I think that show is not completely real, like 90% of the ghost shows on television. But whatever was here was real. We heard it. My son saw a shadow figure. I did not do an EVP session or take pictures, but that was four years ago. I probably would have done that now if it were happening, but I am glad it's not. I have another story to tell about a farmhouse. My great-grandfather killed himself in it, but I'm looking for a photo to attach to that story first, so another time. Thanks for listening. Thank you for writing in, and we would love to hear that uh, other story when you have that photo, or without your photo. Another good story. Very very well-written. That's those always good when we get the good, well-written stories. I was thinking in that one... I was, my mind was not going to the eBay or the items she was bringing in. My mind was going and they just built the house, dug up a lot of land. Oh, see, I didn't even go there. I was completely on the whole eBay thing because you know how I am about sure antiques, certain antiques and yeah. antique mirrors and things. And so I was wondering what, what did she get that had something attached to it? You know, it's hard to answer that mm-hmm. if it was an eBay thing or if it was the home itself of where it was being built. New ground, digging up. Sure. Because it, it went away. So, I don't know. I mean, that's that's an interesting one. It, it, it reminds me again of that, that movie that I couldn't think of that, uh, that I watched as a child in like 1989, a made-for-TV movie. Mm-hmm. Where they built all these homes on some sort of burial ground, and then the ghosts haunt him. Well, well, I got plenty of letters, uh-huh. and we found what movie it is. Okay. And the glory of it is, it's on YouTube to watch. Oh. So one of these nights, I'm going to sit our whole family down. No. And we're all going to watch. I don't think so. The wonderful movie starring Patty Duke, based on the Black Hope hauntings in Conroy, Texas. Where's Conroy, Texas? You know where Conroy, Texas is? We're near where you grew up or anything? It may be. I was so, you know, I was eight when we moved, so I don't know. I don't. And Texas is a big state. It is on YouTube. It's called The Legacy of Hilltop Drive. And I I didn't watch much of it. I just kind of scanned it, and I'm like, yep, I remember watching little bits and pieces of that. And uh, it is a corny movie, but I can't wait to watch it, so. I want to thank the many people who have written in uh, and told me what movie that was, uh, including an old radio friend just uh, sent me one. Jim Franklin sent me in today saying, here it is. Here's the link. <laughs> I'm just amazed that anyone remembers it. Cause I, I, I think it was just like on once or twice. I don't know. I, and the, Some people can do that, though. They can pull up the 
movie titles. And but you know, any Patty Duke made-for-TV movie was promoted to a ridiculous amount, so I'm sure they at least remember the commercials. Here's how, here's how, how much I don't pay attention to movies. Okay. Or actors or actresses. I don't know who Pat, I, I know the name Patty Duke. I have no idea who she is, though. If you were to show me a bunch of pictures of actresses, I couldn't tell you who Patty Duke was. You know what? What else was she in? What else did she do? Uh, what is she known for? The, she, the Miracle Worker, I think, was her main thing. Okay. Yeah. Where it's the story of Helen Keller. Okay. Is it was she like made for TV movie queen? Was she in music or anything? <sighs> the, I don't I don't know. Still Wikipedia on yeah. Patty Duke. No, I think Patty Duke's greatest um contribution was the fact that she's Sean Astin's mom, who oh, is her. from okay. Goonies. Sean Astin from Goonies, my favorite movie. You created the child that was in Goonies. Yes. You get the the Lifetime Achievement Achievement Award for that. Okay. I when I see her, I, I go, okay, I recognize. But I'm I'm like that with almost any actor or actress. I don't know who they are. I guess it's kind of a good thing, you know. I just don't yeah. I just don't 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 care. No. It's like Hey, you're good. I mean, th- there's a few that I know that I like, and those are like maybe five, mm-hmm. and that's about it. And you start getting to like, you know, anything, TMZ-ish, you're like, who? Or, <laughs> I, I know the names, but that's, that's it. So there you go. We will watch that one of these one of these nights. No, I think we'll watch Frozen instead. A big bowl of popcorn. Uh, another ghost story. If you'd like to write in, uh, you can do it. RealGhostStoriesOnline.com is a website, obviously. Uh, and the phone number, again, 855-853-4802. If you've been sitting there thinking, I got a good one, I really, uh, just do it. Just pick up the phone, call us right now, and tell us your ghost story. Do it. Do it now. You will. Yes. Now. Do it. Go. Go. Pick up the phone. Do it. Call. Thank you, Dwight yeah. Schrute. Yes. I miss that show. I do, too. 855-853-4802 is the phone number. Let's let's change the spooky music to a different selection and go into this story from Trish. This, okay. Uh, this comes to us from Trish and uh, she has a title for it. I love the ghost story and we'll see what it means. It's a title Pervert Bill. <laughs> <laughs> you know hey, I mean? Where's that ghost porn music you found earlier? Hey, I have that. Yeah, where's the ghost porn music? Here we go. Is this it? No, no, here it is. Here we go. Here we go. There we go. Ghost porn music. Here we go. Let me just turn it up a little bit. Here we go. Let's restart the ghost porn music. And all right, here's the story of Pervert Bill. (laughs) Went to us from Trish. All right, here we go. This is something only a few people know about. It's such an experience that was life-altering. Life-altering so that it included therapy, medication, and a lot of time to heal. Maybe we shouldn't make fun of this going into the... I don't know. Here we go. We're not really making fun. It's just you title your story Pervert Bill, and we haven't read it yet. So that's what we got. I never believed in ghosts because I thought it was something that couldn't be explained. Therefore, it ceased to be real. I was so wrong. I can't even believe the accounts I had gone through to be real, and I can't believe I'm doing this, but it's time for people to know. When I was 19, I moved out to be closer to my school. The only thing I could really afford at the time was a house converted into an apartment several blocks away from my school. It was really convenient and often only took about 10 minutes to get home. The neighborhood was an all-older one, now filled with gang-related activity, and was quite questionable at times. 
but I still love the character of it and the time warp of some buildings surrounding it, including mine. Anyways, I moved in the summer of 2007 and lived by myself. It was so nice to be by myself, that is, until the event started happening. A couple of months after moving in, I noticed that the dresser drawer that held my bras, underwear, and other undergarments was always open. When I came home from class or work, I found this odd and chalked it up to be the building structure since it was older and did have some uneven flooring and creaking. I waited tables at a restaurant to pay the bills, so I would come home late most nights. I always shower before bed, so one night I went into the shower just exhausted. After shampooing my hair, I noticed the shower curtain was open just enough to make it look like someone opened it to step in. No one was in the apartment and the bathroom door was closed. I closed it and went to wash my body. When I was done, I turned around to grab my towel off the rack outside the shower. When I noticed the shower curtain was open again. I just thought I might not have closed it all the way like I thought. This didn't bother me as much as it should because I just thought since I was exhausted and anxious to get to bed, I didn't want to fuss over it. A couple of weeks go by and I remember at night that someone was in the room with me. My bedroom was smaller, about 11 feet by 12 feet, so it only fit my queen bed and one nightstand, and that was pretty much it. It was a very small room that made me somewhat claustrophobic, but that certainly was the least of my worries. I woke up to pressure on my breasts and was the kind of pressure that one would feel with a hand on their leg or arm. It wasn't strong pressure, just like a hand was lying upon them. It startled me to the point that I turned over facing my wall and covered myself tightly with a comforter. This did not help at all. Then I felt pressure on my butt like someone was holding it. I was so scared that I started sobbing. I was so paralyzed and freaked out, I tried to close my eyes and shut it out. I somehow tried myself out of crying and dozed off. I never had any marks from these feelings, but it emotionally mastered me since I couldn't see what was touching me or find out what it was doing. I usually had to be up by 6 a.m. for my classes, so I usually woke up around 4.30 a.m. to eat and get ready for the day. One particular morning, I woke up to go to the bathroom a little bit earlier than 4 a.m. I shuffled to the bathroom slowly and sat on the toilet seat. That's when it all turned for the worst. I attempted to pull my pants up, and I felt cold, thick air in the bathroom. I was about three-fourths of the way up from pulling my pants up when something yanked them down with such force, my hands were blood-red like I slapped someone. I screamed bloody murder, grabbed my pants, and ran out of that apartment to my car and locked it. I was so stunned and halfway asleep, I wasn't thinking clearly. I knew for a fact that something was in that apartment. I did not want to know what it was. I started looking for a new apartment with roommates for security and safety due to, due to my accounts. I finally found a four-bedroom house with three wonderful girls who are still my best friends today. I couldn't wait to get out. One of my last nights I was there, I was doing all of the laundry. I could, so I wouldn't have to move dirty clothes. So I had to sleep naked. I was apprehensive, but I was so tired from work and class that I just slept with two blankets. I didn't, I did that didn't not help at all. I woke up around 2.30 a.m. with my legs spread out on the bed and a dark figure on top of me. What woke me up was the pressure on my hips and pelvic region. I was so startled, I started screaming the loudest I'd ever scream. I took my blankets, ran to my neighbor Anita's house, and told her what had happened. Anita was a 70-year-old woman who was of Spanish descent and understood the paranormal. She was almost a grandmother figure to me. So she, of course, comforted me. 
She lent me some clothes and allowed me to spend the night. The next morning, she sat me down and told me she wanted to talk to me. Anita had lived in this building for over 15 years and had seen a lot of turnover from the residents. She told me she didn't tell me at first, but she didn't believe it herself that the apartment was haunted. She told me that about 10 years ago, a guy named Bill lived in my apartment. He worked as a school teacher for a middle school several blocks away. One day, several police cars and an ambulance were at the complex. Bill had committed suicide by shooting himself in the head. She went on to tell me that Bill was just in the news on that same day for being caught with an 11-year-old student doing sexual-related activities in the school parking lot. He ran home and killed himself to what people think is to avoid the angry mob and obvious consequences. So not only was my ghost a creep, he was an actual pedophile. This made me sick. So sick, in fact, I had to have someone else pack my belongings. I stayed with Anita until my move out, out of date. I have never been back there since, and that was five years ago. I still see Anita, but only in outings such as lunch and holiday parties. I know a lot of people won't believe this encounter, but it certainly happened, and it happened to me. There you go. I'm glad she's getting help for that. I I totally believe that that happened to her, and I would imagine I would probably need help as well. Yeah, that would be a very scarring experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's beyond, I mean, that's pushing the limits for anything especially a ghost yeah yeah and that's like (laughs) the only thing i can think of as a reference and like as far as a ghost story goes Mm -hmm. and a completely made-up movie rosemary's baby you know i've never seen that but she didn't have obviously she didn't get pregnant that would have been the kicker yeah (laughs) that would have been horrible i mean what do you i mean especially like i whether wasn't with anybody and and I'm pregnant. That would have been my God. But yeah, that is good that, that she did get help for that. Cause that, I cannot imagine that would be horrible. Well, not only does she have, you know, the ghost of him being a pedophile, but having killed himself there too. I mean, there's a lot of negative energy going on. Yeah. That's, uh, that's one of those things where you really should be able to disclose that when you're buying a house or when you're renting a place or if you're renting a place, they're certainly not going to say, by the way, we're going to knock 25 bucks off this month. The ghost may grab your boobs. You never know, you know, but here's 25 bucks off. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing too. You, you have to wonder, do you have this kind of neighbors like Anita that don't share that unless something comes out of it? Or do you have neighbors that are like, Hey, you know what happened here, right? Well, or if, or maybe, maybe the ghost didn't do that to the other neighbors, and that's why Anita didn't know about it. Maybe it just knew that there was something there. I don't know. You know, I don't know. I mean, and then how do you? I mean, again, you got to put yourself in the the shoes of Anita, the neighbor, who may know or have known a lot more about it. How do you just walk up to the new neighbor and go, hey, by the way, I'm your neighbor and there's a ghost in your house that uh, may try to sexually assault you, uh, just so you know. Wow. I mean, that's not exactly the welcoming neighbor conversation, you you know. And, yeah. and, and then she would probably think the neighbor was crazy. Yeah. You know, that no one is going to believe that until something happens when your unknown neighbor comes up and says that to you. You know? No, no. I just... There's people out there, though, that just like to stir up trouble. And I would say, you know, I could see a neighbor coming up and saying, hey. Just to stir up trouble. Yeah. yeah. And then nothing ever happens. Kind of like the psychopath on Fargo, you know? 
Which one? Well, the the Billy Bob Thornton the movie was no, psychopath. The, the Billy Bob Thornton character, how he goes Under up and he's you. like, you know, there was a murder here and there's noises. Oh, and he said it to the kid. Yeah, he te- he's telling these small children <laughs> that have moved into that house. That was a great part of the show. Yeah. Which, by the way, if uh, I would think our listeners would love that show. It's just, it's dark. It's sick and demented. FX ran Fargo, the TV show. And it's one of those shows where either you watched it and you absolutely loved it or you've never heard of it and didn't realize it was even on TV. Uh, go back and watch this show. I have not looked up to see if they'll do a second season. I don't know how they could do a second season. Um, I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but... Um, pretty much all the main characters die. Um, but it was a excellent, excellent show. So go and uh, go and definitely check that out. Uh, this is a long one, and we're almost pretty much to the end of this episode. I'm going to have to move this uh, other story we have here from Nina, uh, I think, to our next episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. So uh, please write in if you got a real ghost story. We would love to. Or do you want to hear it? Do you want one more ghost story? I want one more. Let's do it. Let's do it. It's a little... I want something to not make me think of something grabbing my <laughs> boobs in the middle of the night, but, you know. Other just, than me? Yeah, I don't want to go there <laughs> with the ghost. It's going to be like... <laughs> Stop it! It's a ghost. It's a ghost, really. It's yeah, a ghost. That's great. <laughs> Our listeners needed that. I'm going to put a large dark sheet over <laughs> just read the story I'm a ghost just read the story let's change the ghost porn music to a different selection here too uh, there we go okay here we go comes this from Nina Nina says I've written into your show before now love it by the way and was listening to a recent episode in which you asked if anyone had go had any stories of cohabitating with a ghost or they reached some sort of peace with the spirit yeah okay there we go well when I said uh that as well as working in a haunted building, I had other paranormal experiences. This was one of those other and probably most positive experiences I've had. Here you go. It'll be a positive Thank story. Thank you. Not a story of... No nightmares. Ghost assault. In 2004, my partner and I were looking to move into the city of Cambridge, England to be closer to our jobs. Commuting was proving too much of a drain, and since we had been previously living out of each other's houses up until that point, it made sense to move in together. However, this being a fairly affluent area, when it comes to business, we were struggling to find a property for an affordable rent. I remember the day we eventually found that property because it was a scorching hot day and we had been waiting outside that house, a very well-maintained Victorian trellised house. For a while before, the letting agent showed up to show us around. I remember stepping inside and being astounded by just how large the place was, far bigger than anything we had looked at so far, which was often being marketed at twice the price. Yet here we were being told that we hadn't misread the price. It seemed a little too good to be true. But with our current leases up for renewal soon, the decision was pretty much made for us. I never noticed anything strange about the place during the walkthrough. It was clean, bright, airy, well-maintained for a place of its age. Even my partner, the world's biggest cynic, was impressed at... What we were getting here, finding no fault in the house at all, save for perhaps the fact that he didn't like the carpet in the spare room, or the blood splattered everywhere. I know. That, that's, <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking that sounds a lot like the Amity story. I, it does, um, except for the carpet in the spare room. Okay, yeah, carpet can go. Needless to say, we were sold. We collected the keys on my. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just laughing at the blood. We collected the keys on my birthday and went to get everything set up. 
while we waited for the removal people to deliver all of our belongings the following day. Unfortunately, I had a terrible cold, so celebrating wasn't really high on my list of things to do that night. Instead, my partner suggested we just stay put, set up for camping in the mattress in the living room floor and watch a movie. I didn't make it to the end before I started feeling really unwell and told him I was going to try and get some rest so I didn't feel halfway close to human when our stuff arrived the next day, but he could carry on watching if he wanted. No sooner had my head hit the pillow than I was asleep. When I woke up the next day, it was still dark outside. Nothing strange there. I'm a light sleeper, so the slightest sound or movement has a tendency to wake me up. I was actually more surprised that the movie hadn't disturbed my sleep. Still groggy. I then noticed something wasn't quite right. The hallway light was on. Assuming my partner had got up in the night and forgotten to switch it off again, I turned it over with full off. But that's when I saw her. There, standing in the light of the doorway, stood an old lady, just smiling back at me. I can remember her clearest day, although she had only been there for a split second, because the second I saw her, my first instinct was to wake up my partner, that there was someone in her house... She was as solid as you or I, about five feet, four inches, with white hair that was permed in very closed, curly style. The lady wore a light blue dress that fell just below her knee length and had a cardigan wrapped around her shoulders. To me, she looked like any modern-day grandmother, not unlike my own. I shook my partner awake and told him what I had seen. And there was someone in our house. And yes, I realize how ridiculous this sounds because old ladies aren't exactly what you think about when you picture a burglar, but I just panicked. Anyway, we searched the house from top to bottom. There was no sign of this woman, nor any plausible way she could have gotten in. All the doors and windows were shut and locked. It was a mystery. My partner, being Mr. Cynical, told me that I must have been waking from a dream because of my fever. I was starting to believe him. A few weeks pass. A few weeks pass with minimal events. I say minimal because often, when I was alone, I would hear footsteps pacing the hall, and the bathroom cabinet would always be open whenever I entered the room. It was secured shut with a very strong magnet, so it took quite a pull to get it open. Yet after closing it, you would return to find it open again. I was starting to suspect that the place was haunted, but my partner thought I was just imagining it. There was even an incident where his keys went missing from the hook he'd placed them on five minutes prior, and they eventually turned up days later in the washing machine. Still, he thought it was himself being forgetful and leaving them in the pocket of his clothes. He was about to become a believer, though. He and I were sitting there eating dinner at the table when he looked past me to the window behind me. It's worth mentioning that, like most Victorian trellised houses, our door opens out right onto the street. The window was on the street was on that street, so anyone walking by would look in and they were feeling nosy, which was surprisingly common. He then frowned and said, what are you staring at? To whoever was out there. Naturally, I wanted to know who was there, so I turned to have a look for myself, but saw nobody. The next time I looked back at my partner, he'd gone very quiet and very still. So much so, I'm now worried that there's something wrong with him. So I asked him if he was alright, when he said, with what he said sent shivers through me. The woman you said you saw in the house the night we moved in? What did she look like? I described her all over again, expecting him to turn around and tell me this was all a joke and he was making fun of me. But of course, he didn't. He just calmly got up from the table, went to the door, and had a look down the street. I followed him and saw nobody in either direction. 
when he came back inside and we sat down again, he, he told me, I saw her. She was standing at that window, just looking at us. And when you turned around, she vanished, just vanished. Part of me was elated that I had actually seen her and I wasn't going crazy thinking I'd seen someone that night. I actually had, but it wasn't an intruder. Never in the time that I had been there did I feel any sort of threat from the spirit. I know that when I say she was smiling at me that first time, it's easy to imagine some old crony with an evil smirk looking at you. That wasn't it at all. She seemed to even elude this warmth and happiness about her. However, that's all fine and well, but when you suddenly see a person where there really shouldn't be one, I defy you not to be scared. I'd heard that if the haunting is an intelligent one, there's a good chance you can communicate with it just by simply talking in the space it usually appears. So that day, I stood in the hallway where I had seen her. I often heard the steps and footsteps, and I simply said, I'm happy for you to stay here. I'll even leave the bathroom cabinet open for you if that's what you like, but please don't appear to us again. It really frightened us. We stayed on that property for eight months before the landlord decided to sell it, so we had to move out. During that time, I still heard the footsteps. The cabinet always remained open, and yes, random things would go missing for days on end, only to reappear where you least expected them. But I never did see her again. I sometimes walk past the house on my way to work and wonder if she's still there. I just hope the current residents are kinda, kinder to her, as she seemed like a nice old lady attached to what might have been her old house. I like that. There you go. If you had to have one of the Golden Girls haunt your house, <laughs> which one would you want? Uh, uh, Blanche. Really? She was a funny one. Yeah. She was. Uh, that's that's the Rue McClanathan character, right? Yeah. yeah, Blanche. Yeah, yeah. I like Blanche. She's just kind of funny and witty, and yeah, she was my favorite Golden Girl. See, I you? Like, I like Dorothy's mom, Estelle Getty. Oh yeah, she was good too. She was a smartass. I like that. Those two were kind of like one was like almost the younger version of the other. Like I could have seen Blanche ended up kind of being like Estelle had they gotten to like super Golden Girls. That's true. Golden Golden Girls. <laughs> They're all the only one that's still alive is Betty, Betty White. Betty White, knock on wood. I adore Betty White. I don't even want to think about that. She's she's doing well. She's up there. She never really she doesn't she doesn't age. No. If you watch an episode of Golden Girls. She's still on a sitcom, a weekly sitcom. Yeah, and she was doing that reality show too that wasn't half bad. But that like, was great. Were making, were, <laughs> old people making fun of old people. Yeah. It was great fun. All right, well, that does it for this episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. If you got a real ghost story, please let us know about it. Call in. Share the show. That's very important. Let your friends know about us. And, uh, yeah, that'll get us more ghost stories to share with you on our next episode. So, for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thank you for listening to Real Ghost Stories Online.